Welcome to the Artistic Finance Podcast, where we break down the wall between art and money. If you're here looking for how to be an artist and financially sustain a career, you're in the right place. Keep listening and join us as we learn about artists and how they make money work for them. Hello, everyone. This is your host, Ethan Steimel, here for episode 15. Thank you for listening, and a special thank you to anyone listening from Russia. This episode is part of our Connecting Cultures series. These are episodes where we interview someone from a different culture and in their own language. This episode is in English with New York City choreographer Elena Natkina. The second episode is in Russian, and Elena interviews Daria Vergizova, a choreographer in St. Petersburg, Russia. Before I introduce Elena, I have a favor to ask. Please find Artistic Finance on YouTube and subscribe to our channel. It seems like a trivial thing, but it really helps us find more listeners. Today's guest is Elena Natkina. She is a Russian-born choreographer who has performed with various dance companies in Russia and the U.S., notably the Karambol State Musical Theater in St. Petersburg. Her credits include Thumbelina, Snow White, and The Letters of Vertinsky. Elena has choreographed The Miser, a comedy by Jean-Baptiste Molier, and Aleko, an opera by Sergei Rachmaninoff. She was selected for the Dance Canvas Choreographer Initiative in Atlanta, Georgia in 2019 and again in 2020. Her most recent work is the dance suite Goyeskas, choreographed for Hub City Opera, and she was in the off-Broadway show Raskolnikov and the Pawnbroker as an actress and choreographer. Without further ado, let's get to our interview. Welcome, Elena Natkina, to the podcast. Thank you, Ethan. And hi, everyone. We're recording this on May 22nd, 2020. So we're amidst the COVID-19 lockdown shutdown situation. Could you give us a two-minute recap of your life and your career and how you got to where you are now? So I'm a dancer and choreographer, originally from Russia. I started to learn dancing since I was six years old, and eventually it became my profession and I graduated from St. Petersburg State Conservatory. Are you from St. Petersburg? Is that where you were born? I wasn't born in St. Petersburg, but I moved there when I was uh, 18 to study dance professionally at conservatory. Since then, I choreographed theater and musical productions, gala events. And about five years ago, I moved to the United States. Now I live in a nice town in New Jersey. And like everyone else, I'm currently sitting at home. Yeah, exactly. You went to grad school at Rutgers. Are you still there? I went to grad school at Rutgers, but I quit it after uh, last semester. I just realized that I, it was a great experience and uh, I really enjoyed being there. But at some point I realized that I got the whole experience I needed because I went there not for a degree, but more for experience. And I realized that I need to move on. It was just uh, a step in my journey. Okay. So you're a dancer choreographer, and that's like the jobs that you do mostly? Yes. So you and I have worked on a couple shows together. Yes, we did. I met you and your husband, your husband, Alex Notkin, who's a director, theater director. And also actor. Oh, right. Also, also actor. Yes, yes. But I've I've only worked with him. He's initially actor, and then he started to do directing. So it's so funny because I know people how I work with them. So I know him as a director even though he's more so an actor. But I met you guys, uh, I think, five years ago, so it must have been right when you moved here. Yes. Um, you guys were both studying at the Lee Strasberg Acting Institute, 
and we did a show there and then we then moved that show off off broadway somewhere else but he directed it you choreographed the dancing segments of it yes it was a very nice experience it was amazing because the team was absolutely international we had people from different parts of the world and it was it was great so so i was the lighting designer and i would walk in and I would have no idea what anybody was saying. The play was in English, but it was written by a French speaker. French guy, yes. Directed and choreographed by Russians. Some of the actors were German and... Polish, uh, German, Puerto Rico. I'm glad that you had good experience working with us. I know yeah. Russian people are very emotional sometimes, especially creative people. And uh, the creative process becomes kind of crazy. Maybe look yeah. crazy from outside, but the most important thing that everyone's goal is to make a good product. It's not about ego, but about about making good product. Um, all right. So now to get to know your creative personality, what is your favorite live event to view as an audience member? I uh, I don't have any favorite performing arts genre because I enjoy theater production, I enjoy musical, opera, music, uh, music performance. So absolutely different styles, absolutely different genres. Let's go back three months to before COVID-19 happened. Okay. And I was going to take a trip to Russia, to St. Petersburg. And I, I had one day to see a show. What would you tell me to go see? I would recommend you to watch theater production, which is called Don Juan in uh, Komisarzewski Theater, because this is this is one of the best theater productions I've ever seen in Russia. Okay. Say so I was coming from Russia to New York, and I had one day to see a show in New York. What show would I, you tell me to go see? I would recommend either Opera and Metropolitan Opera. One of the operas depends on your taste, what you like, Italian opera or German opera, whatever. Or I would recommend a Broadway show. S- Slava Snow Show on Broadway? Did you watch I, it? I wanted, I, I wanted to see it, but I didn't go see it. I didn't have time. I, I'm so sorry for you because I, I watched it first online about 10 years ago. And then I had a chance to watch it as a live performance. And it was just an amazing experience. It, it looks amazing. I hope they bring it back. I really do. I also yeah, hope so. so. I've gotten into producing and I was talking with my co-producer and he was like, oh, Ethan, somebody asked me if we wanted to like come in as co-producers on that. And I was like, what? Oh, man, if I had known that, I would have been like, yes, absolutely. Let's get involved. <laughs> that would be that would be great if you could become a part of this team. I think you would have a great experience working. Yeah. With them. And then I could say, guys, Slava's snow show is perfect. But what we need really is a story about Huckleberry Finn. <laughs> what is a piece of art that you love? Again, I have absolute diverse interests. I like reading books. I like watching movies, art movies, visual arts. All these genres inspire me and inspire my creative process. There is why I don't have preference. For example, some people like reading books, but they don't like to go uh, watch performing arts uh, shows. But for me, there is no difference because I find many great things in in books, theater productions, in uh, cinematography, in visual arts. Yeah, amazing. Do you have a go-to book or resource uh, for dance? 
not only for dance, but also for theater productions. Yes, I do have. I explore the websites uh, of the venues like uh, Joyce Theater, New York City Center, Brooklyn Academy of Music, and I obviously mark my uh, calendar. Also, I have friends who are into uh, performing arts, and uh, I listen to their opinion about what's worth to watch. That that's that's a great answer because same for me. I like let other people tell me what I need to be seeing. <laughs> okay, so where do you pull inspiration from when you have to start a new dance or something? Where do you pull inspiration from? As I mentioned before, all those genres like uh, theory, cinematography, visual arts literature, all of them inspire my work. Um, for example, about a year ago, I choreographed a piece inspired by The House of Bernardo Alba, a play by Spanish poet and playwright Federica Garcia Lorca. Uh, you might be questioning how it's possible to translate theater play into dance, right? Um, the thing is that the genre of my work is the theater. So it's a mix of dance and theater, and uh, it's always based on storytelling. And uh, I do not aim to just literal uh, retelling of the story. It's not interesting to me. But what I'm doing, I'm taking the extract of the source material, uh, for example, a play in this case, which contains the message, the, the idea. And then with uh, dance movements and other creative tools, I'm creating an associative array which would help the audience to get this message uh, on subconscious level. And uh, also, in my opinion, storytelling is very important for the emotional impact of the audience because it makes them feel compassionate towards the characters and to even maybe recognize themselves in those characters or maybe find similarity between their life situations and those situations the characters face being on stage. Amazing. What type of music do you listen to? I listen to different music from classical to rock, but since in my choreography I mostly use classical music, so most of the time I listen to classical. So what would you call your style of dance? Because there's like ballet and then there's modern. Like what do you say that you do when you come up with things? I would say it's contemporary dance in conjunction with dance theater. A lot of dance tends to use classical music or music with no lyrics. Why is that? Why don't you take like a, a Kesha song? Why do you tend to use classical music? Well, I have to tell you that we have a very specific experience with the dance because for example, when I was studying at Rutgers University, I figured out that undergraduate students have tendency to pick up pop music with the lyrics and to choreograph pieces similar with the pieces from, for example, So You Think You Can Dance show. And it's a wrong way, in my opinion, because uh, music is a 50% of your success as a choreographer. And if you want to create a true piece of art, uh, you wouldn't choose pop music because arts and entertainment are two different genres. Uh, yes, yeah, sometimes they come close together, but initially they have an absolutely different uh, aesthetics, in my opinion. And, you know, it reminds me of the piece choreographed by Hatna Harin, Israelian choreographer and performed at Brooklyn Academy of Music. Uh, it contains a dance sequence performed twice, like a total replica, but with a different music choice. So first time they performed it with uh, um, Gregorian chants, and second time they used pop music, R&B, and um, other uh, entertainment music styles. And you know, it looked absolutely differently. Absolutely. First time, I enjoyed watching it so much, and it looked absolutely amazing and had for me a very deep meaning. And second time, it was absolutely the same thing, 
but with the different music. And I remember I was suffering watching it. I was just sitting and waiting when it's over. So I believe choreographer did it on purpose in order to show how important music choice is and how much it affects the whole thing. I don't know if it's a criticism of Broadway, but Broadway is entertainment. Yes. Yes, it is. When you say art, like Gregorian chant or thinking of something old, like uh, let's go back 100 years to Tchaikovsky or something. That was entertainment back then, right? Or was it art back then? And, and will our Broadway shows from today that are entertainment in 100 years, if they exist or which ones do exist, will they be considered art in the future? I think that Broadway is uh, the place where art and entertainment come close together. They yeah. exist on separately. I cannot say that Broadway is only entertainment. It's arts and entertainment together because many Broadway shows like Jesus Christ Superstar. It's a true piece of art. And there is a very yeah. deep theme explored. And uh, you can find many archetypes there. And this musical aims to, to make people feel something, to experience catharsis. Ancient Greeks uh, invented a very strong spiritual experience uh, that audience member uh, feels during the performance. And uh, many Broadway shows, they make people feel this catharsis. Okay, last creative question. What are some of your hobbies? Mm, hobbies. I like drawing. I like uh, reading books, watching movies, and sometimes I also do cross-stitching. You listen to what? Cross-stitching. Cross oh. I'm doing cross-stitching. <laughs> is, is that where it's like a sheet and then you poke like a pattern into it, like make a flower or something? Let me show it to you. Okay. Here you go. Yes, okay, exactly. It's exactly what I thought it is. Yeah. It's yeah. Sunflowers so by Van Gogh. Wait, are you basing it on a pattern or did you make that whole thing? It's based on the pattern. Amazing. <laughs> okay, wait, how, how old are you? I'm 32. 32, because this is something that like 80-year-old women do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you listen to a new book, it's, uh, it's a good thing to do. Okay, all right. Fair enough. Can you describe your demographics? So that is, well, I guess we covered it a little bit, but like your, your race, your age, your gender. So I'm white. I'm Russian. I'm 32 years old. I'm female. And I have a master's degree. You do? Uh, from Russia? Yes, because in Russia we studied for five years. And when I evaluated my uh, transcript here in the United States, it was evaluated as bachelor's and master's degree. I mean, interesting. Okay, and then you are married to Alex. Did you guys get married in Russia and move here? Yes. Or yes, did we, you marry here? No, we married in Russia and then moved here. It was six years ago, so I was 26. Cool. Are you bad with money, like a stereotypical artist, or do you consider yourself good with money? Well, back home in Russia, I didn't have problems with money because while I was a student, I worked in a musical theater so I supported myself. Even before I graduated, I started to choreograph pretty big projects. And then I had many projects uh, after graduation, very well uh, paid projects. So I didn't experience any problem with money. Okay. When you said you worked in a musical theater and you supported yourself, what, is, what does that mean? Like, what did your job look like? My job was working in a musical theater as a dancer. So I get paid salary. The thing is that in, in Russia, all theaters, they have government support. And the performers are paid salary. Okay. We don't really have that as much here. <laughs> yes, I know that. That is why artists have to uh, have like a side job 
to make yeah. living and arts yeah. become more more like a hobby yeah yeah Ooh. okay um are you a saver or a spender it depends if i have money i must i spend it if i don't have i save <laughs> fair okay and then are you risk averse or are you a risk taker again it depends it depends on the situation yeah i mean i think for for artists it's sort of like everybody's a risk taker yes but at the same time we have to support ourselves so like we have to make decisions that yes. you know are safe yes yeah um okay so growing up did you have good financial examples i don't know no, I, I'm I'm from I'm from poor family and uh, and I was growing up in the nineties. It was a very bad time in Russia. Everyone w- was just trying to survive somehow. I started to support myself early uh, when I turned eighteen. I moved to Saint Petersburg to study dance, and since then, I supported myself. I wasn't dependent from my family and. Uh, Maybe this is one of the good financial examples. And then, oh, I, actually, I want to ask about moving to the to New York. Did you like save up a bunch of money in order to come? Because New York is not a cheap place to live. Well, um, Alex and I we didn't move together to the United States. Alex moved first as a student, and I need to clarify that he was a student at Les Strasberg School, but I wasn't. And uh, while he was a student, we lived separately in different countries for about year and a half and uh, during this time I was building my career as a choreographer in Russia and uh, as I mentioned before I already had big projects so I could make uh, savings from my compensations for my choreographic projects and uh, after Alex got work visa I moved here to join him and at that time I had some savings but it was 2015 and at that time rubles started falling down uh, and uh, in dollars currency, actually, my savings wasn't a lot. When you say Alex got a work visa, like how did he get that, and and what does that mean? He got visa O one. It's an artistic visa for people with uh, extraordinary abilities. He just applied for it, uh, and and he got it. But it applies some restrictions to what he can do and what he can't because with this visa he can work only with his profession. So he can only do theater. Or TV, or like he can only be an actor. Yes, he can only be an actor, or he also can do voiceover or voice commercial, but he still needs to stay within his profession. So then, did did have you ever gotten a work visa? No, I have a visa, like dependent relative. Can you work in the U.S. or do you just have to do everything pro bono? I can live here, I can study here, but I can't work here. But you still love it. You still love it anyway. <laughs> yes, I do. Uh, I love anything that happens in my life. And uh, I take it as a good experience because any experience is good experience, you know. Uh, okay, so so will you ever get a work visa? Like, how, how what is your plan for the future? Like, can you get one? Either to apply for a work visa or while planning to apply for a green card. Uh, so that's becoming a citizen? Green card? Yes. Our plan is to apply for a green card and to become a permanent resident. And then to apply for citizenship. That seems like it's going to take a while. Yes, it's going to take a while, yes. I think if someone gets a green card, it takes about five years maybe, and then the person can apply for for citizenship. Maybe even more. It depends on the case because it's very individual. To me, that sounds like a lot of work. So (laughs) another silly question. Why did you guys move to New York? My, My husband wanted to live in the United States. And uh, one of the reasons to move to New York because it's theatrical city. 
and there are many opportunities for actors. I believe there are two big centers for actors. It's New York and Los Angeles. And the theater industry is uh, located in New York City and film industry is located in uh, Los Angeles. So between okay. these two centers, we decided to move to New York City because uh, Alex have uh, friends here. So we yeah. had at least some, some support uh, when we moved here. So we didn't feel completely alone, you know. Okay, because I was going to say L.A., movies pay better. But it's not that easy to get into the industry. There's a lot of... Anytime there's a villain in a movie, a lot of times they're Russian. So I feel like Alex could really play some good villains. Why not? But the the problem is that his uh, appearance is not Slavic. He looks more like a European guy, uh, like from Spain or Italy. Yeah, that's true. All right, okay. He has a face for radio. Just kidding. Uh, But that's what he's doing. He's doing lots of voice commercials voiceover, dubbing, since he was a student at Theater Academy in Russia. So he has a very long career. Okay, so you already answered this. I was going to say, are there any events that shaped how you view money? Yes, my family affected my view on money. Uh, I need to share with you some Soviet Union background because my parents grew up in Soviet Union and it affected their view on money a lot. So Soviet ideology was based on the idea that making money and becoming rich is bad because they claimed that it's impossible to become rich uh, in honest way. So if you want to live an honest life, you cannot become rich. So this was Soviet ideology. Moreover, the system itself didn't allow people to make more money because all the companies and organizations belong to the government, so they all were state organizations. And everyone from same profession got paid same salary, no matter what organization you worked for. So it made everyone equal. But uh, also, people could not make more money besides their salary because they were not allowed to open their own business, for example. They were not even allowed to get a side job. Uh, as soon as I know, you could potentially apply for a part-time job within the organization you work for. But in order to do so, you needed to get special permits. So it was very complicated. Since my parents grew up in Soviet Union, so they lived with this idea and I grew up with the same idea that making money is bad and all rich people are bad people and they made their wealth uh, doing bad things. And when I moved to St. Petersburg, I started to live by myself. It took me a few years to change my life to the way how I look at money and uh, I, I started to feel more, more freedom, you know. Yep. H- have you had any health challenges? Um, Yes, I did. Just this fall, I injured my lower back and I could barely walk. And uh, there was a moment when I thought that I will never be able not to dance, but not to walk. So, But I recovered pretty quickly. What, what happened? Well, I, I injured my lower back when I was 17 first and it just got worse. I think it's just because a lot of stress during the school. I did some projects and I was just overwhelmed with all of this. And at some point, my body said... We need some rest, you know. Got it. Okay. So you didn't have to, like, go to the hospital and stay for two weeks or anything? I went to the hospital, but I didn't stay for two weeks, and I recovered pretty quickly. It was it was a miracle because I just visited two sessions of uh, physical therapy, and I did exercises at home, and that's it. And you can live to be a dancer and a choreographer for the rest of your life. Thanks, God. <laughs> um, do you worry about money on a daily basis? Here... In the United States, I do, because artist's life is not 
easy. As I said before, any challenge is a good experience and uh, it makes us uh, smarter, stronger, wiser. Yeah. When you have excess money, what do you do with it? I use it for travel. I use it for education. Yes, I think travel and education. Yeah. You know, every, everybody has said travel, pr- pretty much. I think every person needs impressions, but uh, different people find it in different things. Traveling is a great uh, thing to invest money because it gives you so much experience. You get to know different cultures and the uh, story of different parts of the world. It's uh, broadened your life view. So throughout your life, have you used a budget? Yes, I did. Since I was 18, I started to count how much I earn and how much I spend because I am trying to, not to control, but kind of have have an idea what's going on with my money. What's a really good financial decision you made? And then what's a really bad financial decision that you've made? In Russia, I started for free. So I didn't invest my money to education because Russian education is free of charge. Here, I invested my money to education, and it was a very good investment. But about bad financial decisions, I don't have any examples. I don't think that I regret about investing money. Maybe it's just we have tendency to remember good things and not to remember bad things. Because what was in the past, it was in the past. Yes, we all make bad financial decisions. But the reality is it's not the end of the world. The universe will not let you down, you know. Exactly, exactly. Do you pay taxes here? Alex and I will pay taxes together, but since I don't work, so I don't have any income. Okay, but you have to you file the taxes. I, I guess I've ne- I've never had to do it from somebody with a green. Well, you don't have a green card yet, so you're here on a visa. On the visa, but we still file the tax papers. And do you have? Do you file them yourself, or do you have an accountant file them? We have an accountant. We decided to ask help from a professional person who knows better how to do it and okay so here i know that you guys there's a lot of russians here that you guys know and you're you're in a circle of russians the russian mafia let's say (laughs) (laughs) russian creative mafia i would say yes because new york uh, city has big russian community and big artists russian community new york city is very big i mentioned to both of you because i saw you guys in the um uh, the pawnbroker show. We did the play inspired by Crime and Punishment by Dostoevsky. Dostoevsky. In Russian, uh, some of our restaurants. Dostoevsky, yeah. But, uh, but I had mentioned to you guys something about the Russian theater of actors, and you were like, oh, we don't know those people. There are much more Russians than you can expect. Yeah. And, and another thing is I have this harebrained idea for a musical called Big River, the Huckleberry Finn musical. Yes. I know you're Russian, and it's an American story. But I think you guys could tell it really well, just from a different point of view. And I can tell you that all Russians know this story because we all in our childhood read these books. Okay, so maybe I'm going about it wrong. I'm looking for all these American producers. Maybe I should go to the Russians and be like, hey, can you guys help me produce this thing? Why not? (laughs) Why not? It it might work, yes. Actually, I really like this idea and I reread all the books. Uh, just to restore uh, the whole story in my mind, because I remember that I didn't read the whole thing, but some some parts of it. And uh, I think it's a really great idea, and it's a really great story, which worth to be staged. I love it. And because and, my other conflict with it is, do I keep the musical Big River and and put my idea onto that musical, or 
do we start from scratch and just go to the novel and start it brand new without the music from that show? Because we could, we could go either way. I like the idea to be uh, inspired by the book and then to create something new from, so, from our contemporary perspective. Yeah, because time is, like time is passing, the way how we look at the world at, at the different situations is changing. So that would yeah. be great to do yeah. it from the modern perspective. All we need is time, time and money. And we will do it. We will do it. Retirement plan. Do you have any sort of retirement plan for you? I don't, but Alex does. Uh, but I, I think it's better if you invite him and ask him directly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I'll just say that you don't have any retirement plan whatsoever. I don't because I don't work here. And since I don't work in Russia, I also don't have a retirement plan there. So I'm kind of... Because you worked there from 18 to 26. So you worked there for eight years. Was there any sort of retirement account that, that you put into or nothing? The thing is that I started my career working in a musical theater. And uh, when you pay taxes, some, some of them go to your uh, retirement plan. But after I graduated from conservatory, I became a freelancer. And freelancers don't have any help from government in this way. Yeah. Okay, so that's the same here. So here in Russia, I guess, if you're a freelancer, you're responsible for doing everything for yourself. So what people usually do, they just put the money in the bank account and save their money there. Or how to say it, account where money are growing up. uh, Investment account or a brokerage account. Yes. Okay, interesting. So we really need to work on that Huckleberry Finn show so that you can get some money to save to decide for retirement. Okay, Russia, here we come. Yep, this is the reason I always work for. No creative reason, just for money. Do, do shows ever start in Russia and then go to Broadway? Yes. So we're going to start a show in Russia, we're going to workshop it, we're going to transfer to Broadway. That would be amazing. I don't know if it's going to work because with those uh, anti-Russian sentiment in the United States and anti-American sentiment in Russia, I don't know if, if somehow it's going to work, but... We can try. Artists are the people that critique their government, which is not always a good idea, and they can't always do that publicly. <laughs> but I think this project would be a great example of that. It's better to create something together than uh, fight with each other. I, I agree. And, and I mean, here's the thing. People here don't hate people in Russia, and people in Russia don't hate people in the U.S. Like, the governments clash, and there are problems, and people think things. But the reality is the people in Russia are wonderful people and the people in the United States are wonderful people. Yes. And the politics is sort of how we, for some reason, we get pitted against each other. But the reality is people are people no matter where they live. Yes. Let's create something together. Yes. Instead of fighting. Exactly. What job have you had that was your most financially lucrative job? Choreographer. As I mentioned before, Russian theaters are supported by government. They all are state theaters. Also, I need to mention that almost every city in Russia has a drama theater or musical theater or philharmonic or, I don't know, concert hall. So choreographers have many opportunities to work outside of uh, big cities like St. Petersburg or Moscow. I did my productions, for example, in Siktivkar in Komi Republic. It's pretty far from St. Petersburg, and uh, all those productions were well paid. Nice. What job have you had that uh, w- it was like your most fulfilling job, regardless of whether it paid you or not? Choreographer. <laughs> <laughs> 
So what was great about being a choreographer in Russia is that you can stay within your profession and still make good money. My interview sounds like Russia loving propaganda. <laughs> it, it's not because it's just it's just it's not it's not pro-Russia. It's just that it's not the United States. Like there are there are other countries in the world where, you know, the government sponsors the art, where you can have a career in the arts that you actually get paid for. So a lot of European nations are that way. You're just pointing out differences between the struggling United States artists and if you choose to be an artist in a European nation or something. And I think it's important that American people know that it can be differently, that artists can make a living working in their profession. The government just needs to change a little bit its view on arts. American artists believe that it's impossible to make a living being an artist, but it is. And it's important to know that in different countries, the situation uh, is different. I agree. Why don't we just change the system here and let artists to do what they like and what they have the greatest skills and abilities to do, their, their talent, to use it and to serve the people with their talent? Oh, my goodness. Elena, you need to become a citizen right away so you can start voting. <laughs> 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 That's all it takes is a bunch of votes. Your professional network and your personal support network, um, are those connected and how important have they been to you? Uh, yes, my professional network are usually my, my friends and we support each other in different ways in professional life and uh, in our personal life. So it's bent tightly. And, and did your network that you made for eight years in Russia, did that help you when you moved here or did you have to start completely from scratch, starting meeting new people? I had to start completely from the scratch. Yeah, that's hard. Yes, it is. But again, it's a great experience. You're so positive. I can see how and why you moved here. Because to me, moving here seems like such a daunting task. There are many obstacles, but obstacles create new opportunities. From my personal experience, sometimes what seems is an obstacle for me, uh, then I realized that life is trying to show me that there is another way, which I didn't see before makes me think more creatively. How much of your success has been hard work versus luck? It's important to be in the right place at the right moment. But if you don't work hard, if you don't use this opportunity, it's not going to work. So I believe that maybe it's 20% of luck and 80% of hard work. What is your financial goal for this year? I think like for everyone else to survive the crisis. Exactly. That's what everyone has said. What is your personal goal for this year? My personal goal is tightly connected to my profession. Uh, during this year, I had many projects planned, which got postponed due to quarantine. And uh, my goal is to complete them in the future. I got Georgia New Moves Fellowship. And during this fellowship year, I was supposed to choreograph a new piece. I was also planning to travel to Atlanta to present my new work choreographed during my choreographic residency at Dance Canvas Choreographic Career Development Initiative. Also, I was planning to travel to Salt Lake City to present my piece at the finalist showing of the choreography competition of uh, Body Logic Dance Festival. I was also supposed to choreograph a new piece for New York City-based dance company One Day Dance. Uh, we were planning to do a dance-featured movie, which would consist of uh, short stories choreographed by six different choreographers, and I was supposed to be one of them. So I had many projects planned, and uh, I really hope uh, things will get better and it all will happen in 2021. Amazing. I hope it does. If money wasn't an issue, what would your life's goal be? 
I think it would be the same, just growing up as a choreographer. But if I didn't have money issue, I would be more free in choosing what to do and I could invest money in my own projects. So it would help me to grow up more quickly. Okay, what financial advice would you give yourself right when you started in your career? Or would you give somebody that's starting in their career right now? I think it's important to become independent financially from the kind of from the from the system for example if you're a freelancer but you still depend on someone who gives you work you work for a theater company or for dance company or for so it's it's important to create your own job like maybe passive income so you have money doesn't matter what happens around like right now what happened everyone is sitting at home and people uh, lost their jobs and they don't know uh, what, what to do so, but if you have passive income, you're safe. Yeah. Yeah. So like what kind of passive income? How would, how would I go about doing that? Uh, I, when I started my career, YouTube was not developed that much. But now I think uh, internet, uh, like Instagram, YouTube, it's a great opportunity to work online. Uh, I know many people who, for example, who started uh, doing not just classes, but created courses that people can buy online, for example. Like, And it could be absolutely anything from, I don't know, uh, teaching people how to draw to uh, working in IT field, for example. So are you going to do that? Or do, wait, do you have a YouTube channel that we should know about? I do have a YouTube channel. I, I started it recently and I'm planning to develop it. One of my goals is to create a choreographic course online. How will COVID-19 affect the future of dance? I think we will uh, find more opportunities online. And uh, the genre of screen dance, dance film genre is developing right now. And I think uh, this situation will uh, make it develop more. Okay. I, I don't really like watching live performances on video necessarily. Uh, do you? I like both. Live performance is... Uh, it's a greater experience because uh, live performance is all about energy. Energy the artist sent to the audience and audience send the energy back to artists and exchange it with other audience members. So there is why you feel so fulfilled after the performance. When you watch it online, it's like you just watch the picture, but you don't, don't get that energy, that great energy from the artist. So, but when I watch performance, I watch it more, not like a just audience member, but as a choreographer. That is why for me, it's a little bit different. Okay. Is now, is right now a good time for students to study art? Anytime is good for students to study art if they feel uh, they need to do it. Because uh, for me, artists, it is, it's more like, it's something that you, you don't feel well if you're not doing this. It's some kind of life destiny you were born with this uh gift and you just need to do it um okay so new york or big cities are artistic hubs with the economy right now should artists that are starting out should they move to big cities it's a good question for emerging artists it's easier to start career not in big city because new york city for example is a very competitive and I heard from my, many of my dance colleagues that it's better to start choreographic career somewhere outside of New York City. So we have an expression here. You're a big fish in a small pond or you're a small fish in a big pond. Yes. As I mentioned before, New York City is very competitive and it's 
sometimes it's hard to make people even to know you because there are so many things around and uh, it's hard even like you know to pop up and get noticed yes and get noticed yeah in uh do you have unions in russia like your theater unions at all Unfortunately, yeah. no. And we have no unions, not only for artists. We have no unions for uh, people who work in uh, absolutely different fields, and which means that uh, workers are not protected. Yeah. And, it, and it's very bad, in my opinion. I acknowledge that there are problems with unions. Big groups of people and rules, there are always problems. Because it's always a little bit about business, about making money, and I understand that too. But that being said, for all the negative things, the positives and the goods outweigh the bad, uh, like exponentially. Yes, I agree with you that uh, unions is uh, is a really great thing. And it's important that it, it should exist in in every country in the world. Okay, final two questions. What separates those that have an artistic career versus those that give up or never get started? I think it depends on the person. For example, someone tried to become a painter and then realized that it's not his or her cup of tea and there is something else. This person is much better can uh, build, build a really great career with. So why not? The other thing is that someone who is really talented, really talented artist, and, uh, but because of the financial situation, because of the system, this person has to uh, quit his or her life destiny. It makes life hard for this person, in my opinion, because... Again, it's my personal opinion that uh, everyone should do, you should do what you, you enjoy doing, what you feel happy with. Because the only, I started to say philosophical things, because I, in my opinion, the, uh, the main goal for every person's life is to be happy. It's the main goal. Do what makes you feel happy. That's it. All right. Nice. Um, final question. Where can people find out more about you? People can find me on my Instagram, uh, Elena Notkina is one word. You can also find information about me on my dancer and choreographer profile, uh, danceplug.com slash Elena Notkina. Mm, I also have my YouTube channel. I didn't get my 100 subscribers, so I could not create a shorter link. So now it has a like, huge link, which I cannot uh, I cannot pronounce. You can, go, you can go to this website. I'll have a website page for this episode. Oh, uh, great. So uh, I will include it there. So, yes. That was our interview with Elena Notkina. My takeaways were, every challenge is a good opportunity to learn new things. Find a way to create passive income so that your livelihood isn't dependent on how much art you produce. Moving away from home to seek opportunity is daunting but achievable. And leaving a full-time job to pursue opportunity is also daunting but achievable. Change the system in the U.S. to sustain artists who create non-commercial art. Thank you to Elena for chatting with us. If you speak Russian, please listen to episode 15.1, where Elena interviews Daria Vergizova a choreographer living in St. Petersburg, Russia. That's it for today. Until next time, break a leg. Thank you for listening to Artistic Finance. Find more information on our website, artisticfinance.com. Please subscribe to our podcast and please leave a rating and review. 
Artistic Finance is produced in New York City by Nicole and Ethan Steimel. Producing consultant Anne Nigrin Doherty. Graphics and website by Josh Cutler. Music by Chong Liu. 